welcome back to the report brought to you by the COVID-19 Literature Surveillance Team. I'm Will Smith, EMS and Emergency Medicine Physician in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. We are keeping up to date with the latest research on SARS-CoV-2 and the disease it causes, COVID-19. We bring you real-time data to help guide best practices as the pandemic continues to unfold. For complete summaries and links to each article to review further, please visit our website at covid19lst.org. Here's Jasmine, my co-founder with today's episode. Thanks, Will, and welcome back to the report after a week-long hiatus as we transitioned back into our clinical clerkships. Rest assured that we will still be here every day supporting you out there on the front lines through this podcast. Thanks for sticking with us, and without further ado, let's get to it. And on today's report, we discuss the relationship between the BCG tuberculosis vaccine and COVID-19 mortality, more data on pediatric COVID-19 disease, and research from the Netherlands that begs the question, is social media now the preferred form of public education? Let's get started. The report for July 13, 2020. By the numbers. The United States and Latin America continue to be the epicenters of the current outbreak. There are now over 144,000 deaths recorded in Latin America, with almost half of those in Brazil. Mexico has also been hit hard and just surpassed Italy for the fourth most deaths worldwide with 35,000. In the U.S., daily cases continue to hit record highs, with over 60,000 new cases being reported every day. Florida specifically is now seeing more new infections than most countries and accounts for over a quarter of the daily cases in the U.S. Climate Researchers at Washington University mapped current trends in COVID-19 transmission in the U.S. using geographical mapping software and county-level data on reported infections between January 22 and May 13. They found that cases decreased in the northeastern states, down 16% per week, but consistently increased in the Midwest, the South, and Western states, 13%, 5%, and 5% per week, respectively. Additionally, the incidence of COVID-19 has been steadily increasing in rural counties and those comprised of mostly minority populations, raising concern because these communities tend to generally have less healthcare resources to stymie the effect of a surge. Authors highlight the vulnerabilities faced by people who use drugs during the COVID-19 pandemic because of their increased risk for homelessness, interactions with the criminal justice system, and the need for in-person substance abuse treatment. To address these vulnerabilities, they recommend international stakeholders to create policies and programs to invest in public health infrastructure, prioritize decriminalization, and increase access to harm reduction programs and telemedicine for substance use services. Epidemiology Public health experts from Seattle performed a retrospective analysis of 124 COVID-19 positive patients who received emergency medical services, finding that 46% of patients resided in long-term care facilities, 38% had three or more chronic health comorbidities, and 52% died. Additionally, 43 of the 147 encounters, or roughly 29%, were negative for fever, cough, or shortness of breath. Authors conclude that this heterogeneity in symptomatology highlights the need to improve current COVID-19 screening tools and prevent nosocomial transmission in the pre-hospital setting. A case series documents the COVID-19 disease course in four febrile hospitalized neonates, all of whom had favorable outcomes. Two neonates required ICU admission for respiratory insufficiency. Two neonates had a co-infection 
one with E. coli and one with human metanumovirus. Also, one neonate in the series was successfully treated with radimzivir. These findings suggest that neonates presenting with fever, while a common condition, should also be assessed for potential COVID-19 infection during the pandemic. Understanding the pathology. A retrospective cohort study involving 127 children with COVID-19 found that decreased levels of IgA and CD4 and CD25 T lymphocyte percentage, as well as increased concentrations of CRP procalcitonin IL-10, were positively associated with the presentation of pneumonia in chest radiological findings. These findings suggest that immune-related factors may participate in the pathogenesis of pneumonia in children with COVID-19, just like they do in adults. A literature review by Chinese researchers describes the pathophysiology of SARS-CoV-2 infection in patients with intracerebral hemorrhage. Specifically, they discuss viral entry into the brain through ACE2 receptors and subsequent destruction of the blood-brain barrier and oxidative tissue damage due to the immune response. This review highlights the increased risk of poor outcomes in patients with intracerebral hemorrhage and COVID-19 and their need for early diagnosis, isolation, and treatment. Transmission and Prevention An analysis conducted on COVID-19 mortality and BCG vaccine data found a global negative association between BCG vaccination policy and COVID-19 mortality. When potential confounding variables such as Human Development Index, which looks at life expectancy, education level, and per capita income, a population with over 15% of individuals over 65 years of age, and urbanization were mitigated, The overall significance was still reduced, but countries with stronger BCG vaccination policies still had a lower COVID-19 mortality rate. These results suggest that the BCG vaccine may confer protection for COVID-19 by enhancing the innate immune system. However, further randomized controlled trials and data are needed. Researchers in the Netherlands analyzed the effectiveness of a social media education campaign. They administered an initial survey of 16,000 participants through social media with questions about hand-washing, face-touching, and physical distancing, followed by a multimedia campaign with a virologist and a social media influencer, as well as with a popular national newspaper. The post-campaign survey, three days later, revealed that participants who saw both components of the campaign reported an improvement in personal hygiene and physical distancing, suggesting a potential value for the use of similar multimedia campaigns to improve in these behaviors. Management. A systematic review conducted at Geneva University Hospital in Switzerland of 11 studies found that venous thromboembolism is more of a common complication of COVID-19 in inpatients than in outpatients. Additionally, guidelines continue to recommend VTE prophylaxis in all hospitalized COVID-19 patients regardless of their symptoms. However, authors note that the dosing of VTE prophylaxis varies between guidelines, suggesting more research needs to be done to determine whether to use the prophylactic or therapeutic dose in patients with COVID-19. A review of 11 studies by Greek researchers found significant heterogeneity in the reported venous thromboembolic phenotypes of hospitalized COVID-19 patients. Authors suggest that the heterogeneity could be due to specific risk factors, including the patient's age and sex and VTE history, and specific factors related to their presentation of SARS-CoV-2. Due to this variation and unpredictability, as well as evidence suggesting that VTEs are associated with more severe disease, they recommend increased D-dimer screening for VTE and thromophylaxis in all hospitalized patients with COVID-19. 
Adjusting Practice During the Pandemic Experts in psychiatry and neuroethics argue that telepsychiatry should continue to be utilized after the COVID-19 pandemic passes. They develop their stance through the lens of medical ethics principles and maintain the following. 1. Continue to offer telepsychiatry services is necessary for the sake of patient benefits and autonomy. 2. Doing so would likely yield significant cost savings for patients and other stakeholders. And three, increasing telepsychiatry accessibility would yield a greater degree of distributive justice. R&D, Diagnosis and Treatment. Radiologists in Wuhan, China, conducted a study that retrospectively compared CT findings between survivors and non-survivors of COVID-19 infections. They found that non-survivors had more bilateral and diffuse findings, as well as a predominant pattern of crazy paving, which is a pattern appreciated on chest CT and described as ground glass opacity with superimposed interlobular septal thickening. Researchers at the Mayo Clinic developed a neural network program that analyzed electronic health records from 77,000 patients to better categorize the symptomatology of COVID-19. They found that anosmia and dysgeusia was increased at a 27.1-fold in COVID-19-positive patients and was the earliest sign of infection. Additionally, cough, fever, chills, myalgia, arthralgia, and diarrhea were also seen in RT-PCR-positive patients. These findings highlight the utility of artificial intelligence methods in enhancing the EHR to facilitate real-time diagnostic support of COVID-19 infections. A literature review of the Department of Rheumatic and Immunologic Diseases at the Cleveland Clinic highlights the use of IL-1 antagonists such as anacarina and kenakinumab as effective drug choices to improve the outcomes of patients with cytokine release syndrome. Modulation of IL-1 may decrease hyperactive pulmonary macrophages from releasing IL-1 and other inflammatory cytokines. However, we're still pending results from a large randomized clinical trial. Continue to stay informed with us. Read less, do more. With With COVID-19LST.org.